Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. It's time for Distractions with Chad and Nate. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Now, here's Chad and Nate. Well, it's 15 years as an NFL head coach. John Gruden went 117 and 112 with a win-loss percentage of 511, 0.511, uh, 229 games. October of last year, after several years at the helm in, in Vegas, as the Vegas Raiders coach, and he signed a 10-year, $100 million contract to start off that tenure. And uh, I don't know, by all accounts, was getting him on the right track. And then <laughs> all hell broke, broke loose for John Gruden when his emails were uncovered. Uh, from his past, in which he was, well, kind of just being a jerk and uh, talking a lot of smack and saying some things that he would love to take back. Um, and he was, well, he was let go by the Raiders. They say he resigned. This was October 11th of last year. Um, one more thing in a tumultuous Raiders season. He was replaced by Rich Bisaccia. Rich Bisaccia led him to the playoffs, and then he was canned in favor of Josh McDaniels. So Josh McDaniels now at the helm there. Uh, in Vegas, but John Gruden has been largely silent for the last year uh, until recently. He had something to say the other day. Here it is. I'm not going to um, say anything but honest things here. I'm ashamed about uh, what has uh, come about in these emails, and I'll make no uh, excuses for it. It's just it's it's shameful. But I am a good person. I believe that. I, I'm. I, I go to church. I've been married for 31 years. I got three great boys. I still love football. I've made some mistakes, but I don't think anybody in here hasn't. Uh, and I just ask for forgiveness, and hopefully I get another shot. He wants back in, Chad. Yeah, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he, right? He has a lot of knowledge. He's, I don't know, a good ball coach. Is John Gruden a good ball coach? Uh, I guess, you know, there's question marks about that. Question marks. But he's got a Super Bowl. He does. And he, he goes to church. He's been married for 31 years. He's got three good boys. boys. Things that make you a good person, apparently, yes. And he's learned from his mistakes. So my question to you, Chad, does does John Gruden deserve another shot at being a head coach in the NFL? As a general philosophy, uh, outlook on life. I don't want to judge you by your, your worst day. It's not fair. We've all had bad days. and in those Or your bad, worst email in that case. <laughs> you've all had bad days. Um, and, you know, I think we would all be uncomfortable if I were to look and, and, you know, sift through your bad days and go, yep, this is the one. I'm going to judge you on this day. Um, but the emails between he and um, Bruce Allen, the, uh, what was he, the executive vice president of some sorts over with the Washington football team, um, they weren't just one bad day. They were over a long period of time. And, you know, there were emails that were, you know, uh, disparaging uh, in lots of ways to lots of different people. Um, so I feel a little bit more comfortable with the judgment because it's not just a bad day. Um, could he have learned from then? I'm sure he has. I'm sure there's been all kind of growth since then. Um, just because you learned a lesson doesn't mean you need to be let back in. It doesn't work that way. Um one bad day is is is, is it can be excused and, and understood. Uh, a, a track record of 
disparaging the uh, LBGTQ community, uh, women, uh, athletes, uh, the you know the African American president of the NFL Players Association, all those kinds of things. Uh, that's ugly enough where I can imagine it being very difficult to go into a locker room and command the respect of all the guys in that locker room. Because chances are there is going to be somebody who uh, is not, uh, you know, cisgendered or straight and is going to be looking at this guy like, man, you said some negative things about my people. Uh, you know, the comments about DeMaury uh, Smith's lip size. Um, that's not going to play well in an NFL locker room. Um, so, you know, has... A lot of people said a lot of things over time, and, you know, will we all want our emails to be exposed? No, we probably wouldn't. But in this case, his were exposed, which then makes him uh, less believable and less likely to be bought into by the men in the room who we would be asking to play for him. So if you were one of those men in that room and you were aware of all the things you just described about John Gruden's emails and the things he had said um, when he thought no one else was listening, um how would you respond to a guy who stood in front of you and apologized and said how sorry he was, how ignorant he was, how he has grown, how he has learned, how it has taken him a long time. He was a stubborn person. He thought he knew it all. But this experience has made him understand that people's feelings matter. Um, treating people with respect matters and that he's going to do his best to do that in the future, and he asks for the forgiveness of the men in that room. <sighs> and then he came to you, Chad, as a leader and brought you up and, and basically said the same thing and asked you how he could be better and how you can help him get that message to the team. Is there a way, is there a space where John Gruden can prove that without having another 8 or $10 million deal? Because, you know, at, at that point, you're kind of obligated to say those things. I need you to prove this to me before you have uh, a, a reason to do it other than you're just a good person and you want to apologize. If this is part of your uh, plan to somehow get back in, well, then, of course, you're going to say anything to get back in. If you're standing in front of me as, as a football coach, uh, you're, you're already making the money. You have to say these things. You cannot go and not say these things. So I need you to prove this to me before you meet with an owner and try to make him believe that you have been redeemed. I, I would prefer to see that rather than this first conversation about your redemption being in front of a, the, the entire football team. That's just going to be met with skepticism and cynicism. What does it say about this league and our country that John Gruden doesn't have a job? And he might never again in the NFL, but Deshaun Watson's going to play football this year. Yeah, the, the unfair scales of justice. They apply to all of us very, very differently depending on situation and circumstance. And that's it? Uh, I think Is it our obsession with a quarterback? Uh, yes. Well, well, if Deshaun Watson was a linebacker, would he be playing in the NFL? Nope, he would not be. The quarterback thing and the desperation for quarterbacks have given Deshaun Watson plenty of wiggle room to do what he did do what he does and somehow, you know, get a $230 million guaranteed deal. Um, you know, and for John Gruden, uh, even your 10-year $100 million deal was enough to keep you protected. So, again, the unequal and unfair scales of justice, they they tip to so many different factors. Um, so often your richness 
gives you protection. But for John Gruden, uh, the amount of money he had meant nothing in a league that was trying to protect itself. But on the other hand, the league's still trying to protect itself and make himself look uh, nice in the eyes of women. But teams and are just so quarterback starved, they're willing to bend over backwards for Deshaun Watson. It's a it's an odd set of beliefs and compromises that we go through as football fans almost all the time because there is a very differing set of justice that is dispensed depending on who you are, how productive you are, and what position you play. It's absolutely crazy that offensive emails will get you punished more strictly than being a, an actual certifiable sexual predator with evidence. Yeah. Wow. It's damning. Isn't it? It's about the quarterback. The quarterback's a quarterback, and if you want to be a good football team, you got to have a quarterback. There's four things you need if you want to be a good football team. The quarterback, quarterback, the quarterback, and a quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, you won't have a quarterback. And if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a quarterback. Uh, we're going to keep talking about quarterbacks next. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. No, we talked it through. I mean, Nate has a plan. He didn't just. This is not something he just came up with. I mean, he he thinks everything through. He has a plan. He uses the data. Uses sports science. He listens to a lot of people. He's very collaborative. So it wasn't just like one little conversation. Nate's very prepared in everything he does, and, and uh, so I really respect it. I, I liked his plan for the training camp. I think it'll benefit us. And uh, you know, whether we start slow or not, I do not know. But I think, you know, mid to late season, I think it'll benefit us. Well, you heard George. Nate does have a plan. Nate is very well prepared. Are and, you? I mean, you tell me, Chatty. How well, you how you doing over there? Uh, well, I'm rolling now. Yeah, I'm rolling well because of all your hard work. Yes, you are prepared. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Nate Hackett's plan clearly is to have him ready for week eighteen, week seventeen. Now the last six games of the season are pretty tough. The Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. Kansas City at home on December 11th. Arizona at home December 18th. L.A. Rams in L.A. on Christmas at Kansas City on New Year's Day. And the season ends with the Chargers at home. Could be Saturday, could be Sunday. The 7th or the 8th, we don't know that yet. TBD, as they say. But those are six really tough games at the end of the season. So... Coach George Payton, George Payton and Nate Hackett are absolutely right. You do have to be healthy and clicking during that time. But for those games to matter, Chad, don't we also have to be clicking uh, in weeks one through eight? Yeah, uh, the, the the lack of connection to him from the beginning to the end of the season um, in these conversations, I think, is yeah. They they make it seem as if the preseason extends into the early season. No, these games count. They count. Preseason games don't count, but they matter. These regular season games, whether they're matter, early they or late, count. they count and okay. they matter. Okay. Yes. Um, and those and those first games we're talking about is at Seattle. Uh, Houston at home. San Francisco at home. Vegas in Vegas. That ain't going to be easy. Colts here. That won't be easy. The Chargers in L.A. That won't be easy. So people think that the first three games are possible cupcakes. Why is everyone dismissing San Francisco? It, that, that one's just blowing me away. Yeah, a, a team that was one quarter away from the Super Bowl. Right. Right? And now they got their quarterback. Right. Who do you think the quarterback's going to be in the Niners when the Broncos face them? 
Uh, I think it'll still be Trey Lance. Yeah. They're not going to yank him that quick, right? I, if he's I, not playing well? I, I don't think so. Um, it is an know, interesting situation there, though. It's, 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 it is odd. And, you know, but they've, I think they've managed it as well as they could. Didn't get enough of an offer. Uh, you know, Jimmy G presents them with the best option for a backup quarterback. Obviously, they know and they've got some trust in him. Uh, so, yeah, I think they're as well-equipped in the quarterback room as anybody in the, in the NFL. Um, and so let's talk about Seattle a little bit because that is September 12th. It's Monday night, so the Broncos do have to wait until Monday night to play their first game. So they'll be sitting around on Sunday when the season kicks off. Well, actually, it kicks off on Thursday with one game, but Sunday is when all the games are played, and you got to sit there and watch it. Actually, they'll probably be traveling that day. But um, you're the last show that's on, and everyone's going to be watching you. you got to wait around for that. Was that ever a challenge for you? Because for 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 us, it seemed as if when I played here, we played in the Monday night opener every year. And it was always in Oakland against the Raiders because they would do a doubleheader, you know, on Monday night. And right. So it would be one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast. So we would always play the Raiders on Monday night. And, and it was, uh, you know, it was a long wait. It was a long wait. But we always went over there and beat them up because we always just beat up the Raiders. Okay. Because we had my control over them, you know. Like Debo. Like uh-huh. Debo. Right. You, you roll up to Oakland uh, Coliseum. That was called, yeah. Oakland Coliseum. The line would be snaked around the parking lot for the porta potty. They'd be throwing eggs at our bill, uh, at our at our buses. Grandmas flipping the bird. Uh, but then we'd go out there and weather the storm because right. the, the storm is going to be uh, pretty fierce for the first quarter because they're still drunk enough that they're happy and and they haven't had that one drink that puts them over the edge and turns them into maniacs. By the second quarter, halftime, they start turning on each other. The Raiders on the field start making a lot of mistakes, and we would pull away. Do you, do you, do you envision a similar thing happening in Seattle with the Broncos, having to weather that storm, and do you have any experience that kind of reflects that? Uh, weathering the storm, I think you've you know, often got to do that when you go into a hostile environment. Uh, you play Kansas City. At some point, you're going to have to weather the storm. Uh, could be a literal storm, but also just the storm of the crowd noise, the energy in that stadium. It's crazy at Giha. Yeah, it's a difficult place to play. It re- I mean, it genuinely is. And so is uh, up in Seattle at Lumen Field. That's also a difficult place to play. Um, I think weather in a storm is always easier when you've gone to battle with the guys, when you have a sense of comfort with the guys, when you have, you know, you can look around the huddle. And everybody gives you a knowing glance because, you know, we've been here before and we've done this before. Versus this Broncos team, this is the first time they're going to be in full-speed action. So not only to have the difficulty of full-speed action, but to weather the storm that is going to be Lumen Field and that crowd on a Monday night um, when they've had, you know, all football weekend to get themselves charged up and ready to go, they are going to have to find a way to deal with that. So I'm sure Coach Hackett is trying to prepare his team as best as possible, but there's only thing, so many things you can say. There's only so many things Russell Wilson can say. And Russell Wilson, while he's been in that stadium, he hasn't been on the field in those super loud moments. Mm, they, right. They're quiet when the offense is out there. Yeah. So, he could always just go like this, quiet down, and they would quiet down for him. Right. They're not going to do that this time. That's not going to happen at all. So weathering the storm, uh, this is going to be the initial challenge on that Monday night. And then after that, uh, I'd imagine the, the the punches from the Seahawks are going to keep coming until they punch themselves out. The Broncos are a better football team with a better roster. They should win this game, but you have to weather the storm, and in this case, a couple of other probably smaller storms throughout the game in, in order to pull that off. So Nate Hackett has continually, continuously referenced his time in Green Bay as sort of the model for how he's doing things now and why he you know, had a soft 
camp and gave him so much rest and didn't want the starters to play at all in the preseason is because what he saw in Green Bay had them fresh at the end of the season. They went 13-3 and three for street, three straight years. He was there for those three years. He thinks that's the model that works, and so let's go for it. Also, last year, um, if you look at the Green Bay Packers, they came out of the gate week one, scored only 10 points and lost the game. Mm-hmm. Right? Had a stinker. It made me come in here and say that Aaron Rodgers was done. He was done. Well, of course, he wasn't done. I was just hoping. It was wishful thinking. Poncha Karma, boy. Uh, we just wanted him. Well, I wanted him to go away. Okay, he's not going away. He's a good football player. But that said, is Nathaniel Hackett overlooking the Seattle Seahawks? Does he think it's really not that big of a deal whether the Broncos win or lose that game? Is he underestimating this moment? I don't think he's underestimating the moment as much as he put in his plan as the number one priority. His plan is to keep his team fresh late in the season. There's obviously different ways of, of going about that. Uh, my first year in New England, I was surprised when uh, the Wednesday, preparing for the first playoff game, we put the pads back on. You know, there was, even back then, there was some limits to how many padded practices you could have during the course of the regular season. Um, but we put the pads back on. And I asked everybody, not everybody, but I asked a couple of guys, what, what, what's up with the pads? This, and they said, this is what we do every year when we make the playoffs. We put the pads back on. We establish our physicality. So, you know, there's different ways of going about this. Coach Hackett wants his team extremely fresh late in the season. Uh, Bill Belichick decided to put the pads back on and to redevelop your toughness again. That Wednesday practice before the first preseason um, playoff game, I was like, oh, my gosh, we haven't practiced this physical in 10 weeks. So there's different ways of going about this. Coach Hackett has his plan. So I don't think his plan is to purposely uh, dismiss the Seattle game. It's just more so I'm focused on keeping my team fresh late in the season, and we will fight our way through these early couple of games. Rather than fighting their way through the end, he'd rather fight his way through the beginning. Is George Payton drinking the Kool-Aid, man? Because in that presser, he cited, of course, the Packers and their success late in the season, and the fact they went 13-3. He also talked about the Rams going 0-3 in the preseason, not playing any starters, and winning the Super Bowl. Is he taking his eyes off the prize, which is the Kansas City freaking Chiefs, who've dominated the Broncos and been the leaders of this division for quite a long time now. What is it, 13 straight against the Broncos? Shouldn't that be the model? Shouldn't that be the thing we're chasing and not, like, this anomalous process of how a last team's last year's Super Bowl winner did it. Green Bay's playoff uh, success, <clears throat> right? So all this, hey, I want my guys fresh for late in the season. Uh, the, were they fresh for the playoffs? Were they physically ready for the demands of the playoffs? Were they toughened for the playoffs? Uh, I'd be curious to see, you know, with all those losses the last couple of years for Green Bay, and watch those games again and see what the difference was. What was the reason why you lost that ball game? Um, you know, could it be, yeah, you just weren't physically tough enough. The playoffs is the best teams, and you have to have a new level of toughness to compete in those playoffs. Um, so, George Payton buying the Kool-Aid, I'm not sure if he's... Drinking it. He, he's not buying it. I'm not sure if he's drinking the Kool-Aid as much as he is letting and watching Nathaniel Hackett make it. Trusting the guy he hired to implement his vision, yes. standing back in and supporting the decisions he makes. Right. That's we, the right move to do. He, obviously, he's not going to contradict him. We talked about this, uh, you know, like the last week or so, of when George, uh, when George Payton had Nathaniel Hackett in to have the meeting to be hired as the head coach, Nathaniel Hackett puts his giant book on the desk, and in that book is a practice plan and a training camp plan and a padded practice plan. All that is in there. So when you accept this coach, you accept his plan. Now, after the season, we can have some conversations. Uh, we can tweak things. We can modify things. Things will evolve every year. 
Um, but initially, yeah, I hired you to do your job. I'm going to let you do your job. Yeah, the chances that the Broncos have a perfect season and end up winning the Super Bowl and hoisting the trophy, uh, probably not great, but that's okay. We're trying to build something new here, and you got to afford your leader a little bit of slack, a little bit of room to implement his vision, not pick apart the process. I know we do that on these airwaves because that's huh, – we got we got time to fill, right? So we got to talk about something. But George Payton, I think, is has the right idea to sit back and let his guy work does Cecil Lammy agree with this whole process? Let it finish! We'll ask him next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Someone on the text line I was talking earlier, I was just reviewing the text about um, John Gruden, and they said uh, he was the escape goat. Your goat escaped? The escape goat. Any other sayings out there that you guys get, you know, that you once butchered um, and figured out that it was incorrect? Uh, text those in and we'll have some fun with that. We welcome right now on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline our man Cecil Lammy. What's up, Cecil? How you doing, buddy? Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, I'm Cecil. talking football with my friends and I'm drinking coffee, so I'm feeling pretty good. Coffee and football, man. Can't think of a better morning. All right, so... What are what is your reaction to the moves that the Broncos made? Namely, Malik Reed sent to the Steelers. Josh Johnson getting waived. Brett Rippon being the 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 second string quarterback. Any of those moves surprise you? Yeah, I mean the Malik Reed not as much, but could they have gotten something for him? I'm like, for the love of God, you have to send him and a pick just to get a six. Like Malik Reed led this team in sack only a couple of years ago. Malik Reed has tremendous upside and ability. I don't think he's a Shaq Barrett type of player. I never thought he was a Shaq Barrett type of player, but he's a proven player. He's consistent with his effort and he never stops. Like that's the great thing about Malik Reed. Is he the biggest or is he the strongest or the fastest? No, but he's relentless. And that's got value, especially at the pass rusher position. As Chad will tell you, pass rushers are highly coveted, right? Like, if you look around the league, you're paying quarterbacks, you're paying left tackles, and you're paying pass rushers. If you can find a cornerback, that's great, too. So when you take an asset like Malik Reed and you have to package a pick with him to get a six, I mean, if they get him, if they trade him for just a six, then I go, okay, you get another pick. Now you got six picks, whatever. I would have liked to get a fifth for him, but whatever. But when you take a seventh and him to get a sixth, that move doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I'm like, Malik Reed is, is much better than that. I, I feel uh, you know good for that young man, get an opportunity with the Steelers, although he's still in the same position. He's behind Alex Hightower. Uh, so, and Hightower's got a crazy spin jump chop. It's weird. you got to go watch it if you haven't seen it. But wait, anyway, no, wait like, did you say a crazy spin jump chop? Yes, I saw him at the Shrine game. He's coming out of Charlotte, right? Right. So he's coming out of Charlotte, and they're doing one-on-ones. And I was like, wait a second, what? Like, he jumps and spins and chops his arm. It's like something out of, you know, Crossing Tiger, Hidden Dragon, something like that. And I was like, I asked one of the scouts there, I was like, is that what he does? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's his thing. Uh, you'll be shocked to know I wasn't watching Charlotte film that year, but I certainly went back and did rewatch it because of what Hightower was doing. So Malik Reed goes to the situation with the Steelers, and he's still a backup, but he's a backup that you know has opportunity to get paid with another you know strong season. I think with the Steelers, he could potentially do that. I just felt the Broncos could have gotten more 
and should have gotten more for a talent like Malik Reed. Uh, you talked about Malik and what he brings, but what about the guys who uh, are essentially replacing him on this roster? Baron Browning, Nick Benito, and Jonathan Cooper. They had to show the coaches and George Payton something to make this Malik Reed uh, move possible. Right, right. And I think it was Cooper getting healthy. Um, I think it's also Benito flashing. I've said it before. I said it on the war room, and I don't know why it was controversial, but, like, it was so controversial that Zach By wrote it down so that him and James could talk about me the next day, which is fine. You know, we're all big boys, whatever, and we all have opinions. But when I said the future of this team at the pass rusher position is not Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory, it's Nick Benito and Baron Browning. Those two young men can really play. And Hold on, let me let me write that down. Hold on, I got to write that down. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's on it down. It's a, it's your next segment coming up here on the fan. But like the the future are, is those two players because Bradley Chubb, if he does great, awesome. You can't afford him. If he doesn't do great, uh, awesome. You move on. Randy Gregory's what's his career high? Six sacks. Like, come on. And I know he's well paid and he's expected to do that, but. I mean, I, you know, you're not really paying on the potential, are you? I mean, I guess you did already. But for me, I look at Baron Browning, I see Pro Bowls, multiple Pro Bowls. And that's why he's my number 50 prospect when he came out. The Broncos got him at 105. I thought it was a tremendous value. You look at Benito, he's pretty rough. He's pretty raw. Chad, he could use your guidance, that's for sure. But you see the burst. You see the get off. You see the closing burst of the quarterbacks. You can work with that. You know, I, I don't think he's as toolsy as Baron Brown is. And for all the people saying, well, Browning hasn't done it, and he never did it, and in college he didn't do it. Yeah, in college they did the same stupid thing that Vic Fangio did to him, which is like, you're outside, you're inside. Nah, you're outside. How about the inside? You're inside today. Like, you, you got to pick a lane. I always love using the quote, you can't ride two horses with one ass, sugar plum. So, like, yeah, pick a lane, make him an outside. And by the way, I graded him as an outside. You, you always, you always use that. Where's that quote from? Excuse uh, me, Alabama. Okay, cool, cool, cool. cool. Yeah. So I, I, I always use it. It's a great movie, and I think with a guy like Baron Browning, he could, he could perform at such a high level that you want to get him as many reps. And, and he is the future. He's a future starter for this team, and it does make a guy like Malik Reed, who we all appreciate. Um, a guy that you can move on from. Okay, so I've heard you say many times that the Super Bowl window is open right now for these Denver Broncos under first-year head coach Nate Hackett, who you haven't even seen the ones go. You don't know what product is coming, but he's trying to prepare these guys for the back end of the season. He wants them healthy in week 16, 17, 18, and and those are going to be some doozies. You know, you got the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Chargers to end the season. But it's imperative that these guys get off to a hot start, right, if they have Super Bowl aspirations. Yes. So Hot start indeed. Yeah, so so tell me how that's going to look. I mean, what are your expectations um, for these first, well, eight games? We got Seattle, Houston, San Francisco, Vegas, Indianapolis, Chargers, Jets, Jacksonville. Where are the Broncos after eight games? After eight games, they could be 8-0. I'm not going to predict that. Could be 8-0. No. They okay. could be by the bye week. I mean, we could get this thing rolling. Now, there are a couple of hiccups there along the way. There's a couple of really tough matchups. Hell, there's a couple of playoff previews. Obviously, they're division games. The Chargers choke regularly, so I expect them to choke. Hey, the Chargers, yeah. Until the Chargers land the Heimlich maneuver, I'm not going to get real excited about their prospects. Woo! Like, And the Raiders are the Raiders. 
that'll be interesting, both those games. To me, it's the Colts. It's, it's here as a positive. It's a short week that may not be a positive, but it's more of a positive for Denver than it is Indy, who has to travel here for that Thursday night game. But the Colts are the type of team in the postseason nobody wants to see because they're going to play great defense. They're going to run the hell out of the ball. they got a veteran quarterback. And when Michael Pittman's healthy, he's obviously already been a pro bowler. So uh, I look at that game and I go, okay, I don't know how that one's going to go. San Francisco, I don't know how that one's going to go. What do we get from Trey Lance? Hasn't been good. Um, you know, so do they th- – there was buzz a while ago, like, hey, if they kept Jimmy G – you could see a Jimmy G package of plays, almost like you saw a Trey Lance package of plays last year. Why? Because Trey doesn't know everything yet. Jimmy G does, can't do much, you know, can't do everything that Trey Lance can do. So, you know, that is kind of a weird, like, what are you preparing for? Are you preparing for the rushing quarterback and Trey Lance? Are you preparing for the dink and dunk skills of Jimmy Garoppolo? Are you preparing for both? I think you're preparing for both. So at the buy, I'd say five and three is a real good number. If it's six and two, yes. Anything higher than that, yes, of course. But after the buy is where you truly will be tested. It's all about December football with this team. And I know after the buy, it's more like November. But that stretch of games will be the determining factor of if you make it to the postseason and how deep you can make it in the postseason when you get there. Uh, last one for me, Cease. Uh, Jalen Virgil continues the Bronco streak of having an undrafted free agent make the squad. Uh, but uh, do you think it's just a making the squad thing, or is he an actual contributor here in year one? I hate to be that guy that always brings up Montreal, Washington, but, like, Jalen Virgil can ball and he can be a returner. And so can Montreal. He's the greatest ever, whatever I have to say, as I continue to watch Isaiah Pacheco, like, tear it up with the Chiefs. But anyway, like, for me, Jalen Virgil is that dude. If you want to use him, he was that dude at App State. Okay, like this this was something I'm I'm, I'm so happy to see this young man perform this way because of the doubters and the naysayers, you know, App State and who you playing. I mean, it's the same thing Montreal's going through. Although I don't bag on Montreal for his school. I just bag on Montreal because I'm like, ah, I wanted Isaiah Pacheco or hell, Skylar Thompson. Go watch Skylar Thompson, guys. He looks amazing. But anyway... Like, Jalen Virgil is got a nice size-speed combination. He's got what scouts call my ball mentality. It's what Nate had, right? Like, when they have balls in there, it's mine. My ball. Mine. Right? It's like uh, the those, those seagulls from up. Mine, mine, mine. Like, that's the type of player he is. He goes and gets it. So I lo- And I love his body control on the sidelines. So, like, he's, you know, end of the roster, whatever. Like, yes, but... There's something else there. And, hell, if you only have five picks next year and you're scrambling for more picks, guys like him, guys like Brandon Johnson, who's, of course, shut down this year, these guys will have to make plays and come through for you next season when you get Tim Patrick back. So, like, some of your late-round guys, practice squad guys, guys you're keeping, you need to make sure they hit. I think Jalen Virgil can hit for this team. You guys heard it. 8-0 to start off. Uh, place your bets now. Thank you, Cecil, for joining us. As always, good stuff. Good stuff, buddy. Thanks. Right, be good, fellas. Cecil Lammy, presented by Golden Oak Lending. All right, we got some good text uh, talking about um, <sighs> phrases you didn't understand. Uh, escape goat instead of scapegoat. We're getting uh, a lot of uh, all-intensive purposes. It uh, should be all intents and purposes, right? I'll make it worth your while. 
I'll make it worth your while to stick around. We'll do more of that next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Well, Cecil Lammy always gets the text line rolling, doesn't he? Um, a lot of people thinking he might be a little delusional, asking where he buys his weed, thinking that uh, the Broncos are going to start off 8-0. They also corrected his mine, mine, mine reference. Apparently, that's for Finding Nemo. It is. Okay. I've never seen Finding Nemo. Is that that's a problem? Uh, it's not a problem for you as an adult, but uh, your time will come, you know? Yeah, I know, yeah, right? Yes, yes. Your, your, your Disney movie phase is about a, a year away from starting. And then you'll be in that locked in there for about 12, 15 years. <laughs> right. Yes. So we got some good texts coming in about uh, phrases that were, uh, well, misunderstood. And here's one. You know, you, you always got to account for the elephant of surprise. <laughs> this is my favorite. Uh, when selling cars, a customer once told me, I just need a basic truck. I'm looking for all the Belgian Whistles. All those Belgian whistles, man. <laughs> Give me every single Belgian, Belgian whistle. whistle. The Belgian waffle. Belgian whistle. Yeah, there's some really funny ones. Yeah. Um, what else? They get lost down here because you guys are texting in a lot, which makes us feel good because you're listening. You care. Um, all right, so so this roster is set, right? And these guys have to now start game planning for the Seattle Seahawks. But they got almost two weeks before they play them. So Coach Chad Brown, yes. typically a week of preparation in the NFL Looks like this. Tuesday's everybody's day off. Wednesday, you come in, you get the first basic part of the game plan. You go through a pretty pretty physical practice. At least this is how we used to do it. Thursday was our most physical practice. Um, you wear the pads, and you get more of the game plan. And then Friday, you put in the rest of it. Uh, you're not in pads. We'd be in helmets, but it'd be a fast practice. And then Saturday, you're either traveling or you're just meeting and going through maybe a little walkthrough. Sunday, you play the game. The Broncos have, what, 12 more days. Before they play, so how are you going to structure this th- this uh, this ramp up process? How are you going to install your stuff? Are you worried that you're going to get fatigued or it's going to get stale? How are you doing, it, Coach? Uh, now you have to get through this week first, and for this week, you know you have to structure practices and some conditioning and some lifting uh, in there. You want to watch some tape. Uh, you want to clean up some of the issues that maybe plagued uh, some of the guys in the preseason and, and get some serious study in on that. But you need to give the guys time off as well. So uh, coaches uh, have typically mastered the art of we as what we as players called time waste management to get you to do enough to get you to be involved, but uh, give you enough time off to get some time off, but not to go far away. Like if the Broncos were to practice uh, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday of this week and be off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, well, that's too much time. Where are you going to go? Are you going to get on a plane and go to Cancun? I can't give you that much time off. So, you know, after the preseason game on Saturday, we'll take Sunday off. Then we'll, you know, get a couple of workouts in early in the week. Then we'll have a couple practices midweek, and then we'll give you maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. Three right. days in a row. Three days in a row. Something like that. You know, Then and, come back Monday of next week. Yeah. And then get Tuesday off. And they might say something like, you know, you got to come in and get one workout in during these next three days just to make sure, again, you don't get too far away. You don't do something dumb and go, you know, again, on to Cancun or Cozumel or Vegas for too long. And then Monday, which is typically a day where uh, you're watching tape and you're getting a workout in and you're reviewing the last game, Monday will be an extra preparation day next week. 
there'll be an actual you know chance to get some practice in on Monday. Tuesday will be a regular day off, and then Wednesday it will resemble the regular schedule from there on out. Well, the Broncos do face a unique challenge with having the first unit never having played together and going into Seattle for their first game where they're not going to be able to hear each other, right? So, so what do you do as an offensive coach? How intricate is this game plan? What's your installation going to look like? How are you preparing for this noise? And how's that operation going to look on game day? Because I remember, I think it was 2000, I think it might have been 2005, or maybe it was 2006, we played the Rams in St. Louis on in week one. And, uh, you know, our coach put in a pretty complicated game plan. And we had a bunch of checks, too, you know, a bunch of... Um, you know, line of scrimmage stuff. Like, so if, they, if they're if they coming with this blitz, we're going to do this. If they show this look, we're going to change it to this. There was a lot of mental work that we had to do in the week leading up to, actually the couple weeks leading up to it. Um, but so much so that we were a little bit unsure of it going in. And then we go into that game, and of course, you know, the Rams fans don't know yet that the Rams are going to suck that year. So they're super excited about it, and they think that their team is Super Bowl bound. So they're very, very loud. We couldn't hear each other. And we screwed up the checks because there were so much, so many moving parts. The, the, the offensive game plan was too complicated for that loud stadium, and we lost that game. So do you think it's better that the, if the Broncos put in a simple offensive game plan to combat the noise? Simple certainly helps, um, but if you're so simple, uh, then the defensive coordinator on the other side of the ball will begin to understand how simple you are. I can show you this look again, which indicates blitz, and you don't have a check for it. Well, then I'm going to keep running that blitz until you put a check in for it. So, uh, you know, simple is good, um, but too simple is just not going to be effective. There's a line there for Coach Hacken and Coach Allen to, to to figure out. Now, again, I, you know, value Coach Hackett's coaching expertise. So to think that, you know, he's not going to recognize the possible pitfalls of either being too simple or too complex in that environment, uh, that would be very disappointing. That would be very disappointing. But at the same time, he is a first-time head coach. Um, and Are we going to give him a little bit of slack? Or is the sky going to fall if the Broncos go to Seattle and get rolled? Uh, the sky wouldn't fall for me, but it would be disappointing because, well, if they got rolled, depending on how they got rolled. But if you went up there and you were unprepared and your team did not was not prepared for the noise factor, that you didn't get speakers out at practice and, and make things impossible to communicate, that you didn't ask your quarterback and all the receivers to be on the same page with hand signals and all that, that your offensive tackles are constantly getting false starts because they can't, you know, they're not looking at the ball and they can't hear the quarterback's cadence. You have to prepare for these things all week. There should be a silent count. In place, Lloyd Cushenberry and an offensive line and an offensive line group should be working on silent count next week to make sure that the noise does not become an issue with the cadence. There has to be some of these procedures put in place to give yourself a chance to be successful. <clears throat> We've been talking about mondegreens. Do you know what a mondegreen is? Is that one of those French French benefits? Someone, <laughs> yeah, someone's saying it's a misunderstanding of a word or phrase. It's called a mondegreen. We've been getting some good mondegreens. Uh, a bourbon in hand is worth two in the bush. <laughs> and someone saying he had a buddy who used to say, I'll burn that bridge when I get to it. <laughs> Which probably says more about the buddy than it does about a, mis- a-, a mondegreen. Um, who else? What else have we got here? Um, Center of attraction. Yes. Center of, attraction. Center of attention. Someone saying that uh, Tyler is guilty of saying this all the time. Instead of bide my time, he says buy my time. I can buy your time. How much is your time worth? Not a lot. Um, yeah, well, 
The Monday Greens have been fun. Fun show, Chad. Um, hump day is over. And uh, Brandon Stokely, Zach, bye. They're next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.